common theme over the past two years is talent, how to hire, where to hire from, and most importantly, how to retain your top talent. The Payments and Cards Network specialise in staffing, executive search, and business transformation from a people perspective, and have done so over the past 10 years. To book in a free consultation to see how PCN can help your business flourish and attract the best talent in the industry, email helpusgrow at teampcn.com. That's helpusgrow at teampcn.com. We look forward to hearing from you. We've got a really nice podcast for you today. It's the first one for a while. It's been a bit a month or so. I've been locked out of the office where all of the uh, recording equipment is, and I don't have access to, a, to our very talented marketing team, uh, but I finally managed to, to pull it all together, and I thought it was appropriate to um, commit this first podcast back to an internal-focused podcast. So today we had on the show our, our chairman and CEO, Jordan Lawrence. He is about halfway through the show, joined by Brady Gerrards, and, and Brady is setting up a brand-new a business unit inside the PCN Capital group of companies, a new brand called Secura People, which is focused on cybersecurity. We took a look at PCN recently moving to a four-day work week. We took a look at how the company is faring during the coronavirus. Um, we had a look at how our clients in the fintech and data science and cyber industry are faring and what they're doing to assist um, society and, and the economy um, however they can um, and it was a really nice show so without further ado I give you Jordan Lawrence and Brady Gerrards Okay we have Jordan Lawrence founder and chairman of PCN Capital Jordan welcome to the show Thank you so much Lewis I've, I've got to say what a great job you're doing on this podcast so far I've listened to every one of them at least once so it's a real honour to actually appear on this podcast with you Thanks that's great. And as mentioned in the, uh, in the intro, it's been a little while since our last podcast. We're all readjusting to the corona crisis, getting used to working from home and whatnot. I didn't have access to my podcast equipment, but I finally managed to get back into the office. And I thought the most appropriate first podcast back would be with your good self. So why don't you uh, kick us off, Jordan, and tell us how you've been doing and how the PCN Capital Group of Companies has been doing this past five or six weeks or so. Yeah, thanks, Lewis. So, um, yeah, it's going well. Uh, I see the fintech industry in general is absolutely booming. I talk to CTOs and CEOs every day of uh, anybody from Klarna to Wirecard and everyone in between, as well as large merchants that we all know and love. Um, people are reporting record figures of transactions. So everyone was doing really, really well around our business which of course has led us specifically at Payments and Cards Network to continue doing recruitment. So, so far, so good. Let's see what happens in the next few months. Digital source seems to be going really well as well on a data science recruitment side, um, purely because everyone is frantically trying to hire data scientists to obviously collate all this data that they're getting from their uh, extended transaction volume and piece it all together and obviously try then to to hone down on, and, and maintain some of this profit after the after the COVID has passed. The latest round, which we'll go into a bit later on, is Secure People. Some people say it's crazy to start a, a new brand in uh, the beginning of a sort of, uh, not only a pandemic, but also a crisis. 
Um, but that, I sort of um, disagree with that. We started Payments and Cards Network right at the beginning of the crisis. Uh, we've got some very strong relationships, which are still there today. So uh, we'll talk about secure people later, but that's our latest brand, and that seems to be going uh, going well so far. That's right. It's definitely been shown good foresight to have fintech, data science, and now cybersecurity all covered. Before we get into the various brands and, and how they're performing, why don't you give us an update on, on yourself, Jordan? I don't think you're in Amsterdam at the moment. You're, you're locked down down in Portugal, aren't you? How are you, how are you personally faring this, uh, this storm? That's right, Lewis. As you know, I have a, a very uh, young child. It was actually her first birthday yesterday. Congratulations. Um, thank you very much. Thank you very much. So I saw this uh, sort of thing happening. I, obviously, I, no one could predict what's, what we're in at the moment, but I saw the outbreaks happening. Um, and given the fact that no one really knew how it was affecting everyone, I sort of made the decision to take my own family down here to Portugal. We've been down here since the beginning of March. And it's not so bad down here. Um, Neighbouring Spain is really badly affected, as everybody knows. Portugal, along the south here, specifically in the Algarve, uh, we've only got uh, sort of 300 cases in total. So we're doing really well. Thanks for asking. Wow. Go to a bit of a tangent, perhaps, but why is Portugal faring quite so well? Do you have any idea? Yeah, they, they were locked down really early. So they saw what was happening in Spain and Italy. Uh, Portugal took no chances uh, and said, right, let's lock down. So everybody was uh, could not even leave their municipality for a while. Now it's a bit, bit more open than it was. So they locked everyone down early. And down here, the people um, are quite respectful of the government. So, you know, if, if the government says stay in your homes, they stay in their homes. Another factor is that um, Portugal has got a lot of space. You know, if you're outside of the major cities, which have been quite badly affected compared to the Algarve, you know, you're, you're sort of living in a house which is you know 100 meters from anybody else right so everyone's a lot more spread out whereas the main cities around the world have been mostly affected seem to be high-rise apartment blocks everybody living on top of everyone else so it's got a sort of free reign to spread yeah i think that's yeah. the reasons good good for portugal hopefully i get a chance to uh, to come down and visit you there again in the next couple of months or so that would be great. Seeing anybody right now would be a godsend. So uh, you're more than welcome, Lewis. <laughs> Just before the crisis set in, uh, you moved the company uh, to a four-day work week, typically taking off the uh, the Friday, unless there's a bank holiday weekend, in which case uh, you have to be flexible. Um, how is? Give us firstly your reasons for moving to the four-day work week, and tell us how that new forward-thinking policy is faring under this unusual time. So yeah, thanks. That's good questions. Um, you know yourself, Lewis, being on the management team of, of PCM, we've been looking at this four-day work week for quite some time. Really, I've been looking into it for the last two years and monitoring how other people have been getting on. It's not something we dreamt up, of course, as many companies moving to the to the four-day work week. Um, yeah, the reasons we did it was because recruitment and sales, you know, are, are notoriously time-intensive, labor-intensive. And mentally straining jobs and, and the burnout rate is very high. So, you know, we thought, right, let's protect our people, let's protect everybody in terms of um, their own psychology. So, what we've done over the last two years, as you know, we use them every day, is implement some great tools for automation. There's more coming, uh, in which case that frees up a bit more time with these automation tools. Now, some people, especially old school recruitment companies, might say, hey, um, you know, you've got more time, get, get on the tools, work harder. 
okay, well, you know, why not protect the people that, uh, that are working in the company? So we've freed up everyone's time via automation as much as we possibly can, which hopefully bought everyone and is buying everyone a couple of um, extra hours a day so everyone can have the Friday off, have a chance to recover physically and mentally, I think having a three-day weekend and then, um, you know, attacking the week on Monday uh, full tilt. So to your question about was it a good idea, I think the timing was a little bit unusual. I'm not going to say that uh, this has been the best decision ever in these times because, you know, I think everybody, and I, I do see everybody actually working realistically at least half of Friday now as they're trying to, you know, ensure that the business they've built is maintained and sustained through these times. So the times of the four-day work week, although it's, uh, it has, has been great, I think people are working more four and a half realistically at the moment, but so far so good. Uh, yeah, that's the case. indeed. Here, here we are on a, on a Friday afternoon recording this podcast. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it does really increase personal responsibility. I mean, you're free to take, the way I see it is you are free to take that fifth day of the week off if you feel comfortable doing so. And you should only feel comfortable doing so if you've if you've done enough work to merit it. If you're worried that you have not, then you probably should not take that day off. And giving people that personal choice, I think, gives them a greater sense of responsibility and ownership, and they can do with it what they will. Um, so that's the way I'm experiencing this newfound freedom. Um, but, but I guess we'll need what a good, a good twelve months or so to truly assess. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the trial gone for, sort of 12 months. But I couldn't agree more, you know. Also, to your point, Lewis, look, if you've got loads of work to do, okay, and you haven't done it, the chances of you having a good day on that Friday by taking it off, knowing there's all this work to pile up on, is quite minimal. Exactly. So, yeah. again, it's, 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 everyone has their own responsibilities. Yep. So that's the view from inside uh, a PCN. We're ticking over. We're relatively insulated in that the market we serve, financial technology, data science, cybersecurity, these are booming markets. Of course, they're not invulnerable to the coronavirus, but I think we're, we're better off than most. Tell us a bit about how our clients are faring. Some are more prepared for this work from home crisis than others. Some have technologies that is well-equipped to deal with this. Companies operating in the e-commerce space, in the gaming or gambling space, for example. Give us an idea about how your clients are doing during this period. It's really fascinating, actually, to see this. So companies that were, like, let's say, PSPs that were really invested and vested heavily in, let's say, markets like the travel industry, um, specifically taking payments for airlines, travel, hotels, these guys are, are impacted heavily. And you see some of the well-known companies and, and payment companies around the world have taken an enormous drop in the stock price and, and, and profits. Whereas other companies, let's say uh, the merchant side, so real e-commerce businesses are absolutely thriving. Imagine, you know, not so much Dell computers, Apple, uh, but, but sort of companies that are selling keyboards and, and mice and monitors for people's home working and, and desks are thriving. I speak to merchants every single day and they're reporting record figures of, um, of turnover. Likewise for PSPs, I mentioned earlier on Klarna, you know, we're good friends there with the CTO and the, and, and the board. Those guys have never seen such high volumes, you know. Safe charge the same, Lewis, to name another one. You know, I know you've done a fair bit of work with reporting record uh, profits. So great to see. I think the next phase is the philanthropy side. Mm -hmm. What can these PSPs give 
back, right, to the industry. So we see some interesting innovations around the checkout, where a lot of these PSPs are starting to put little boxes on the checkout to say, right, you know, thanks very much for your purchase. Would you like to round up the purchase and donate a little bit to charity? We'll match the, the payment, if you see what I mean, with our transaction costs. So the philanthropy is starting to throw, uh, flow as well through the payment uh, checkout page, mm-hmm. and that's really good to see. Yeah, and this, um, this bleeds into the question I was going to ask uh, next, which is how do you think fintech companies can help broader society and the economy get back on track? Some um, industries uh, take on you know, greater responsibilities than others to help us deal with this crisis. What do you think fintech could be or should be doing to help uh, people get back on their feet after um, this blows over, if indeed it ever does? Yeah, so I just mentioned the, the the sort of checkout pages which PSPs and merchants are adopting to donate to causes like the NHS in the UK, healthcare workers around the world raising money on their platforms. I think it's important to keep in mind I saw an article the other day in the newspaper where um, Adyen, you know, its stock rose 9% in March. The stock price of Adyen rose 9% in March is now, you know, the best best investment across Europe, apparently, in the fintech space. Great. But, you know, looking into what they're doing to give back from a philanthropy side, they are starting to give back. Is it enough? Time will tell. But I think there's so many billions that have been made in the transaction services space, merchant services space, that now probably is the time to give back as much as they possibly can. And as I say, some companies are really grabbing the bull by the horns and taking this to the next level and giving as much as they can back. Some companies haven't really done anything yet because they're too busy obviously trying to make the most of the transaction volumes and obviously ensure that the merchants they're servicing are able to process these transactions in order to make the money, in order to give away in the first place, if you see what I mean. So it's a slow burn, but I think the opportunity the fintech industry specifically has right now is huge to give back to the to the global economy. Hey, this is Jonathan from Block Data. FYI, 40% of big companies will invest at least $5 million into blockchain initiatives this year. Block Data helps these companies understand what's going on through market intelligence on the blockchain ecosystem. If you'd like to find out more, just Google Block Data. And I was thinking specifically, you have in many countries these government payments to people where the government's attempting to pay all or part of their most recent salary. And of course, the the major banks who the governments are funneling um, these welfare payments via do not have the technology to process this money, actually get it into the bank accounts of these, um, these citizens. Using financial technology to get this money out to the population quicker. I think fintech could be offering itself more to the big majors, to government departments to help them disperse these cash payments because there's a big bottleneck there right now. It's it's a great point you make there, Lewis, and it's something I've just had a conversation this morning with um, around Vault, my open banking company. All we're doing is connecting bank-to-bank payments, of course, so this is a huge opportunity also for us to give something back at Vault uh, and deliver those bank-to-bank transfers for people at, a, you know, at our own cost, you know, uh, so we're not making any money out of it. Um, but there is an opportunity there, like you say, to, to give something back here uh, and try to funnel some of those payments through. 
indeed and this is a good opportunity i think to uh, to introduce vault do you mind taking a moment just to step back and and tell us about what you're doing with vault this is your your own fintech company you've started up just recently i understand yeah thanks lewis uh, vault is a open banking payments company and what we've done is look at the market and see what the market needs there's many many companies out there now in the open banking space that are introducing very ambiguous services all around data connectivity to banks and they're all focusing around a certain geographical area maybe people are really good at open banking connectivity in the scandinavian region eastern europe the uk france germany and obviously down into the southern european states spain and italy um, but there's nobody with a single point of aggregation and a single uh, coverage in open banking focusing on payments. So what we've done is made a new payment company which can be compared to a traditional gateway, but purely for open banking. So we're aggregating all the services you can possibly imagine in open banking for a single point of integration for merchants and PSPs. And that's, that's, uh, in, that's Vault in a nutshell. The great thing is we are looking at a global perspective for open banking. It's already rolling out in Australia, Canada, Hong Kong, South Korea, all these countries. I think eight or nine different countries are leading the way here. It's a modular service vault, so you can plug in a new country as and when the regulators allow open banking in these new countries. So it's a one-stop shop open banking network. That's, uh, that's the bottom line. Sounds fantastic. And you've got some pretty pretty great partners and investors involved. Why don't you tell us a bit about some of the people uh, you're working with to, uh, to make this uh, new company a, a reality? Yeah, so I started it with two other guys in the payments industry. One of them is a guy called Tom Greenwood, who was the founder and COO of uh, IFX Payments in the UK. They do about $4 billion a year in revenue. There's about 100 employees in various different countries, countries around the world. Our chairman is the ex-COO of Agen, um, which is Robert Kral. He heads up uh, the board. We've got a fantastic list of uh, advisors, non-executive advisors. And our CTO and also co-founder is uh, the ex-global head of expansion from Agen. So we've got a very, very strong team. Already a load of developers in Poland, an office in London. As you know, I'm doing my best to work outside of uh, Amsterdam. Um, yeah, so we've got a very good thoroughbred team with, with huge knowledge of the payment space, which is doing us well so far. Love it. And it's a super team. So we've got two of the top former product and ops people from Adyen, now Europe's biggest, most exciting fintech company. We've got the former uh, COO of one of the best FX fintech companies in London. That's Tom. We've got yourself, the founder of uh, Europe's, I think at this point, oldest fintech recruitment executive search firm. So that's a nice, uh, a nice coming together of people right there. What's the projections for the vault? How, um, give us an idea of when you think you can start rolling out office space and hiring people. What, what, what's on the horizon? So our first transactions have gone live now. We're integrating merchants and PSPs actually taking payments. You can imagine the product around this whole offering has taken a long time to build. So we're very excited to announce actually Recently, this month, we've had our first transactions go through. So actually, the product works, let's say, which is great to see. Uh, so now the future is um, going after more PSPs, more merchants, um, and generating revenue through the, through the, through the product. 
Um, new offices we don't really need yet. We've got Poland with 10 people sat over there under Stefan. We've got London with a couple of people sat there. Amsterdam is the hub of sales. So we'll grow our uh, sales team out of, of, of Amsterdam. And then as, as I said before, as new markets open up, let's say uh, the US in a couple of years, uh, we'll definitely open an office in the US um, in order to take advantage of the open banking network over there. Um, and then as and when new countries open up, uh, you know, for, for ge geographical reasons and time reasons, we'll have to open up a new spaces. But uh, for now, um, it's really a sales drive to get some merchants and PSPs using the products, which is right now going really well. Love it. Very exciting. So we've looked at the outlook from inside PCN. We've looked at how our clients are faring. We've looked at one of your new startups in Vault. Um, you have many friends who also run recruitment companies, big and small, niche and, and generalist. Of course, many are not doing so great at the moment. Um, what's the view from the recruitment industry? How are some of the other um, chairman, CEOs, founders of recruitment companies um, weathering this storm? Can you tell us anything about how some of your peers in the industry are doing? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good good point. And obviously, Lewis, you're very well connected in the, in the recruitment space, so you'll, you'll be able to back up what I'm going to say here, I, I would imagine. But some are not faring so well. Uh, some are doing all right. So if you are in the industry, let's say, oil and gas, engineering, you know, the, the, with the oil prices turning negative last week, a lot of these companies are uh, getting rid of all contractors, all external staff, shutting down. Huge oil companies have actually gone bankrupt now. So specifically the oil and gas market, which historically has been a fantastic space to work in, in recruitment. Um, they're, they're, you know, a little bit in trouble, let's say. Um, other markets such as life sciences, you know, there's, there's several recruitment companies around the UK and also Amsterdam focusing on life sciences. So far, they seem to be doing all right. Uh, I think if you're heavily focused on the contracting space in all of these sort of industries, outside of fintech, cybersecurity, and data science, you're going to find that people, the first people to go are external contractors as they try to replace them with permanent people or just cut costs in general. So everybody in, in let's say, fintech, uh, data, cybersecurity that I know of is doing really well. Outside of that, oil and gas, not so well. Uh, life sciences, really well. Obviously, engineering in terms of construction, that also seems to be fine as that's one of the only industries that hasn't been so badly affected. Um, but yeah, general IT, the large general recruitment companies that we all know and love, um, who've been generalists for years, uh, are being quite badly affected. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess a, a sense of relief for this group of companies that, that you've set up. I don't know if it was luck or foresight, Jordan, but <laughs> we're definitely yeah. uniquely uh, situated to, uh, to get through this more or less intact and, and maybe even do quite well from it but of course we should just show gratitude while uh, while we do so um very thankful to be in this situation Lewis indeed very thankful absolutely which which brings us I think nicely onto uh, our newest brand um and shows that you are committed to growing even during a crisis and I'm very happy to bring into the podcast the managing director of our new brand Secura people let me just check if if he's joined brady can you hear us okay yes i hear you fine thank you ah wonderful so this is a uh, brady gerards or brady gerards with the soft dutch g <laughs> brady thanks uh, thanks very much for joining the show yes thank you for having me it's, it's an honor 
Super. I wanted to get you and Jordan both on the podcast together um, for a bit of variety. And so you could uh, together introduce us to your new brand. So yeah. uh, why, don't, why don't we kick it off? Uh, just give us an idea of the Secura concept. What kind of agency yeah. is it? Uh, what attracted you to mm-hmm. help start up this, uh, this new uh, brand with Jordan? And uh, yeah. yeah, please tell us more. Yeah. Thank you. Well, um, let me first start with a short introduction about myself and how I ended up with uh, uh, starting Secure People together with Jordan. Um, previously, I worked eight years for a public listed company in recruitment. Uh, I worked in oil and gas industry, but uh, I got the chance to move out of this industry and get into the uh, power industry, which was at that time, uh, in my opinion, an industry, but industry much more interesting, focusing on the future. So I got the chance to start my own business unit over there uh, named Power and Renewables. And I was very grateful I got this chance to build this business from scratch. And um, yeah, proud to have built a great team and uh, established great client relationships. And at one one point it was time for me to move on. And uh, because I always had the ambition to be an entrepreneur. Uh, Around this time, uh, Jordan approached me uh, and to uh, start a, a recruitment company in cybersecurity. And uh, actually from, from the beginning, I was thrilled straight away f- uh, with this idea um, to start a business into a market which will play such an important role in the future. That was really exciting for me. So um, from that moment, Jordan and I, we started developing this idea into more to, into a concept. And um, when, when I look into recruitment for me, always the human aspect of the work was the aspect what made it really interesting for me and a really interesting job. And um, um, because I also firmly believe that the exponential growth of technology will have a big impact on recruitment. Um, I think we are we were able to combine technology with the human expertise. And um, uh, we're gonna focus on building sustainable relationships in this industry and uh, yeah, want to add value to this industry in a broader way. So uh, yeah, hence here we are with uh, Secura People. Love it. Good, good intro, Brady. Um, tell us about the specific areas of cyber that you'll be focusing on. Like the word fintech, it's a very broad umbrella. You could break it down a dozen different ways. So tell us about the specific, let's say, verticals or niches with inside Zyber you'd like to focus on and maybe some of the types of clients you're hoping to work for? Yeah, good question. Um, so we're going to serve as well the uh, uh, on contract positions as permanent positions. And um, I think this whole uh, corona pandemic we're in, uh, if we look at the cybersecurity market, it's a very interesting period and uh, uh, very interesting times because cybersecurity, uh, um, it's still there. Actually, it's even increasing. A lot of uh, 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 criminal actors make advantage of this whole corona pandemic situation. Indeed. So, so um, yeah, for us at this point, uh, we can actually steer our strategy into the directions and the industries which are thriving at this moment. And um, so at this point, I think it's, 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 it's smart for us to follow this trend and uh, focus a bit on, like, for example, the fintech and payments industry, uh, also due to the fact that we already have some client relationships built within the PC and capital group. So that would be uh, a first uh, uh, 
uh, a first focus, but from there on, of course, we want to broaden our, our business uh, in a broader perspective. And um, uh, looking at the type of roles we're going to work, it's everything within uh, cybersecurity. So it's from CISO uh, top down to architects, officers, uh, consultants, engineers. So th those kind of roles you have to think of, yeah. The PCN podcast is brought to you by PayVision. When it comes to payments, PayVision don't mess around. They live and breathe payment processing, from design and integration to delivery and checkout, and everything in between. The dedication to their products shows. That's why they're so happy to support merchants with exactly the kind of payment solutions they're looking for. This is a question for, for you both, both Brady and Jordan. It's similar to the one I asked you a moment ago, Jordan, about the growth of, uh, of, of Vault. Where do we see Secura in, in one to two years? Let's say we come out the other side of the coronavirus intact. Let's hope the global economy has more of a V-shape than a U-shape recovery. How are, we, how are we envisioning Secura a couple of years down the road? Well, let me just go back a few a few steps. Uh, Brady and I have been talking about Secura the last two years. Um, it's great that Brady took some time out after his last uh, career move um, and, and went traveling around the world, mm -hmm. and specifically South America. So that was uh, really good to see. But we've been talking about it for for a long time, and finally, I'm really happy to see that we're actually taking action and, and building this brand. One thing I always look at with these things is the event industry around the industry itself right so look at uh, the payments and cards network the biggest industry in in our industry in the fintech space is money 2020 lewis you, we, we've both uh, been there a few times in las vegas and in, in amsterdam um you know that the total amount of people attending money 2020 again which is the largest event in our space uh, it's about 15,000 people, and that's the one in Las Vegas. That's generally known as the biggest one in the world. Well, if we look at uh, Cyber Week in London specifically, over the last few years, it's grown from around you know, 5,000 visitors a day to Cyber Week in, 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 in Ells Court or the Excel. Um, now, last year, was actually 33,000 people visiting those events a day which tells us the cybersecurity, cybersecurity industry has grown exponentially and it's continuing to grow uh, in a hockey stick sort of, sort of look. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I think it can go. Uh, and, and Brady, I'll, I'll leave it to you to obviously answer where, where you're going to drive the business, but uh, that's where I see the opportunity in terms of size. Yeah, well, I, I fully agree. And uh, yeah, as mentioned, we've been talking about this already for quite a long time. Um, and well, many people say maybe it's not the best time to start a business. And like Jordan referred earlier in this, uh, in this podcast already, um, well, I think there is also a lot of opportunity at this moment. Um, we see that the Corona pandemic in general is very disruptive and, um, disruption is not always a bad thing. You see also very good things evolve out of it. And, uh, if we look more closely to the industry and the business, we are going to focus on in cybersecurity. You see there, uh, the, like mentioned earlier, cyber criminals are taking advantage of the whole pandemic situation. Uh, people working from home means that there are a lot of extra uh, security, uh, uh, security measurements uh, 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 needs to uh, be in place to make sure that uh, uh, 
companies can protect their business. So there's a lot of things that needs to needs to be looked at. And um, uh, furthermore, if you uh, um, look at this, this also from a practical point of view, I think it's a very good start, very good moment to start your business in point in terms of uh, connecting to new people. It's a perfect moment to start building new relationships because the people working from home, it's very good, very good moment to to have a, a good intro phone or video call with them. So I think there are many practical uh, aspects which makes it a very interesting industry in general. And um, also the timing, in my perspective, it isn't bad at all. And I see a lot of opportunities in this market. I love it, guys. So we've had a, a quick look into the PCN group of companies here. We've looked at one of the new startups that you're involved in, Jordan. We're looking at the brand new brand that Brady's just now starting up. Uh, we really are doing our best to continue growing and continue servicing these wonderful markets that, that we're lucky to be serving, fintech, data science, cybersecurity. We've looked at some of the things we're doing to keep our own workforce healthier and safe is there anything else either of you would like to add any optimistic messages would like to put out there before we wind up this podcast Lewis, i'd like to throw a question back at you there we haven't spoken uh, for a while specifically on the u.s market but heading up our atlanta office for payments and cards network how are you seeing the markets uh, over there and the trend in this covid situation i think it's, it's a good question and i think my market, my clients, my candidates, a little bit different from our candidates in, in Europe and, and possibly in Asia PAC. Um, the US was, uh, let's say, more sudden and absolute in their reaction. They didn't kind of phase into it slowly, almost begrudgingly, like a lot of clients did in, in Europe, like, oh, do we have to stop working? Do we have to stop going to the office? In the US, uh, at least in my segment, in and around Atlanta, primarily, uh, it was almost like the lights were, were turned out. People really sort of battered up the, the hatches uh, and it was turned off. Uh, and my feeling is the turning back on is going to be as sudden and dramatic. Um, I think whilst people uh, in an abundance of caution um, really just said, okay, everyone stop what you're doing, freeze hiring, being one of the consequences of, of that, I think they'll turn it all back on just as dramatically. And we're going to experience that pent up uh, explosion of activity um, once on a state by state phased in way, we get the economy moving again. So these are the rumblings I'm hearing from my clients. We have to kind of see out this kind of frosty period together. Uh, but when it turns back on, um, it, it's going to be a blast. I think we're going to do a lot of good business in the next month or two. Um, fingers crossed that there isn't a second out, outbreak, you know, God forbid. If there isn't, um, I think we're looking at a V-shaped recovery. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's what I can say in very gen, gen, general terms. That's how I'm experiencing it. That's good to hear, Lewis, and you must be happy that, um, that Georgia is one of the four states to open up first, right? It's, uh... Yeah, that's, that's good news, I think, all around. Yeah, I, I did see that. It is, a, it is a bold move. Of course, Georgia is very sparsely populated. There's Atlanta, which is a, a super hub, the New York of the South, etc. But the rest of the state, which I believe is, is slightly bigger than the whole of the Netherlands, 
in terms of its uh, geographic size, is fairly empty. And it's, it seems curious to me that these blanket policies apply to areas that are so different. New York, New York City is extremely different from uh, rural Georgia. So it makes sense that we can allow people to start coming back to work. And I'm, I'm glad that Georgia is, is one of the first states to do it, um, though I just touch wood um, that it doesn't backfire. But let's hope that we'll kind of reap some of the benefits of being one of the first states to turn back on and some of the job activities, the interviewing, general commerce starts ticking back up very, very soon. Yeah, great. Fingers crossed for you and uh, everyone involved. Yeah. Okay, wonderful, guys. I think we've done a, a nice show here. I'd just like to do one more shout-out to baby Kalani, Jordan's <laughs> one-year-old, one years old as of yesterday. Uh, how is, uh, how's Kalani getting on? She's doing great. Thanks very much. She's uh, had a great birthday yesterday. My parents broke out of lockdown who live uh, sort of 40 minutes away and managed to drive across the state to share Kalani's first birthday. And it was a lovely day. The sun shone. Uh, so, yeah, that was a great day. Thanks very much. That's fantastic, mate. So congratulations for that. All right, so we'll leave it there then, guys. I'll see you both in person, I hope, very, very Hopefully soon. very soon, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, a beer on the terrace. Oh, good. I, I, I climb a beer chair up head terrace in, in Amsterdam. <laughs> All is good. Okay, Sounds like a plan. I'm there. <laughs> okay. Thank you, guys. Stay Thanks, safe. Guys. Thank you. Stay you safe. Too. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing in order to receive every episode as it's published. The fintech space is ever-changing and we care about keeping you up to date with the latest happenings in this exciting space. If you wish to appear on the next episode of What the Fintech, please email podcast at teampcn.com. That's podcast at teampcn.com.